Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we basically talk about how complicated healthcare is. So I like to talk about the 30,000-piece healthcare puzzle because it is insanely complicated. Each of us holds a piece. And so a lot of our guests get to share and teach their piece of the ecosystem. So welcome to the show, Kelly Bliss. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on your new award. Thank you so much. If you wouldn't mind, please take a moment to introduce yourself and let's talk about your piece of the healthcare IT. Of course, thank you. So like you said, Kelly Bliss, I am the president of US Group Health at Teladoc Health. So what that is, is our US B2B to C businesses. So um, I work with all of our health plans, our employers, our TPAs, across all of our solutions, up and down market. So we have a lot of fun in digital health. What is a TPA? For somebody who doesn't know the acronym, what's a TPA? The C of acronyms in healthcare? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, TPA is third-party administrator. Okay, thank you. They're the administrative arm of many of our ASOs, uh, administrative services only. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. So we we have a great opportunity to sit in front of um, many payers, employers, providers, and have conversations about what their strategy is more broadly around virtual care. Okay, so Teladoc, I'm assuming that is very telehealth related. Yes. 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 So Teladoc Health, we've been in this space a very long time. We are proud to uh, have over 80 million eligible members uh, across our platform. And we provide virtual care services across the globe for slew of clinical use cases. So everything from the core traditional telemedicine, like you might have experienced uh, maybe even during the pandemic, which many, many people did, all the way through to lots of new use cases. Virtual primary care, of course, is really an emerging and nascent solution that we've brought to market over the last couple of years. But there's so many use cases for virtual care, and it's a big, broad category, and it's getting bigger and bigger, thankfully, uh, by the day. We touch a whole slew of opportunities to really intervene in someone's health and to really help them become their healthiest selves. So from chronic disease management, patient monitoring, mental health, of course, a huge component of what we do, nutrition, dermatology, there's so many ways in which... Okay, I'm going to do rapid-fire questions. <laughs> You're like, okay, so therapy. 
Yeah, of course. We yes. do. Yeah. What about eye doctor? Can you like get your eyes checked? Yeah, you know, you can't. You can. There are emerging solutions that are still in their early forms. But yeah, absolutely. There are opportunities. We don't offer eye solutions today. Okay. But we offer certainly general medical. So if there's a, certainly an eye concern that would present to, say, a primary care physician, we would do that. But that hasn't really advanced us for far along. I got into a, during the pandemic, I got bored and decided to take up skateboarding. Oh. And I made it around the block before I fell. Oh, and a helmet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I scraped my hand and hurt my back. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that again. But anyway, I had an opportunity. It was like, okay, it was at the time that things were kind of shut down. And right, I was like, right. what am I going to do? Right. Um, and Picking I, up a new hobby. Yeah. <laughs> And I ended up taking a picture and sending it, and it, it was basically a patient portal. It wasn't a telehealth visit so right. much, but does that go under the same category of like, I didn't actually go to the doctor, but I was communicating it with did. them it through. Does. Asynchronous. Okay. It's yeah. an asynchronous visit. Okay. And that too has evolved from asynchronous to synchronous visits. But dermatology is a tremendous use case. And, and so many people like you either took up a new hobby and injured themselves or they just sort of had more capacity to deal with the, geez, I have this mole that I've been thinking about for a while. And it, it created an opportunity. And so it has just taken off. I mean, it really and truly has been a remarkable shift and a needed shift. I think everyone realizes that now. And one of the conversations is also about reimbursement, right? So how does that come into play? Because there are different requirements that are needed in order to bill for certain right, services. Right, right. What, how does that work with asynchronous of course. services? Yeah. And so we've been in this space of really long time because maybe people around the world woke up to it just in the last couple of years, we've been building the backbone of delivering these solutions at scale. And so that is inclusive of a claim. There is a normal claim that gets processed, of course, depending on the different you know, clinical interventions that you might need. Uh, and that gets submitted across your health plan, your payer, your provider. And so that's basically how it works, just like a brick and mortar solution from that respect. Okay. And so how do you see that? Well, it's shifted quite a bit in the last couple of years. Can we talk about what you would anticipate to happen over the next couple of years? It's like, I know there have been some, re it's a little confusing. There's been some reimbursement changes where they're paying for it. And then now there's risk of it being taken away from what I understand. Yeah, we're very hopeful. And we assume that this, the reimbursements will continue because there's so much momentum behind this. It, this is really sort of a, a moment in time. This is a transformational movement in our healthcare delivery systems. And it's needed to happen for so long. And I think we're at this inflection point where there are so many opportunities for the consumer, of course. Everyone talks about the, the consumer and everyone like yourself, you know, you want the convenience of mm -hmm. being able to take a picture and upload it. The providers of care, we often forget that providers of care are also parents. They're also employees of a system. And they too saw the benefits during the pandemic to say, hey, I'm going to create capacity in my own schedule and leverage virtual medicine. So they might, you know, there might, they might have been on the sidelines before. They too have leaned into this. And then of course, finally, the payer, the, the owner of the claim at the end of the day, whether that's your employer or that's the actual health plan themselves, whoever's paying that claim sees the opportunity to extract so much waste 
from a healthcare oh, sure. system that is so plagued. And so I think there is, it, the future is, it's not going back. You know, this is clear. We, sorry, can we talk a little bit more about the provider side? Because we talk about the patients and okay, how their interaction with the system has shifted. Right. But you're right, you're hitting on a good point. It's totally different for the providers too. Is there consensus? Is it go? Like, I don't know. Oops. There is a lot of, uh, we saw during the pandemic that there was always a little hesitance from a provider's perspective because you know, they have giant patient panels and they're already inundated with administrative work. And then during the pandemic, there was this sort of massive awakening of the opportunity that they could benefit from virtual care. And so what we've seen is providers are really leaning in and identifying ways in which they can provide better care to their pa panels, their patients, whether that is referrals within the system, whether that is just access, whether that is outreach to other, you know, people that haven't been attributed to a panel prior. So we're seeing a, a lot of momentum around the provider space. I guess the logistics question, if they have, does it give them more time? Can they see more patients or would it still be the same amount? They can in that what you can do is you can extract those things that exist within the health the provider's experience that aren't top of license, they aren't adding value to that patient, they're not improving quality outcomes, et cetera. And we have a model whereby our virtual primary care program is really based on a care team. It's really a cross-functional care team. There's nutritionists, there's coaches for chronic disease, there's remote patient monitoring, there is mental health providers that really surround that member through a single experience. It's not disparate experiences that are just put together. This is a single front door, a single member experience through either the app or the desktop. And the referral happens so seamlessly that you feel like, hey, this is just my team. You know, this is my care team in my pocket and I can use and access that care team of course, whenever you need them, yeah. um, which is really, really impactful. So Teladoc, I know you're connected with potentially 80 million people. Is the interface the same for all of those people? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so what we have is we offer a single interface across all of our solutions. And so what we call, we call them on-ramps. So sometimes you might come to the door, hey, I slipped and fell on my skateboard um, and I hurt my hand and I, you know, I really need someone to take a look at this injury. And that might be an on-ramp. And while you're there, you might realize, hey, you know what? I've been a little stressed and there's an opportunity I can see on my app. I'm also eligible for mental health services. Mm. Maybe I'm just not feeling myself. Maybe I'm a little depressed that I fell off my skateboard. And, and two years later, <laughs> I still need to see a chiropractor. Right. I'm just like, really? Yes, yes. <laughs> so those on-ramps create so many opportunities for us to improve the experience that you've had, you know, through virtual medicine awesome. generally. <laughs> so how do, okay, I would like to transition a little bit more about you personally. How does one become the president of Teladoc Health. How does that happen? Yeah, it's a long and windy road. No, I've been so, so lucky. I know many people say that in their careers. I started my career actually with a degree in psychology. And so I really, I started early, but I've been in healthcare my entire career, just really different vantage points in healthcare. And uh, I happened to be a chief of staff, an organization that we acquired, a company called Best Doctors. 
we acquired back in 2017. I, I stayed on because I could see what Jason, our CEO, Jason Gorovic, our CEO, I could see the vision that he had. And it was really, I know it sounds, you know, when, when you Monday morning quarterback it, it sounds pretty straightforward. Wow, he was assembling all of these various capabilities as an organization. But at the time, it was really sort of forward thinking for a virtual care provider, which again, if you think back 2017, yeah. it was telemedicine. It was 24-hour acute care. It was really specific use case for virtual medicine. And he was amassing different components of that journey, that care journey. We are a bit obsessive compulsive about the member and the member experience. And so it's always been focused on how do you really create a modern experience that we all expect from other parts of our lives in healthcare. And so when he acquired uh, the company that, that I worked for, Best Doctors, it was really a unique acquisition. And I think it was a bit head tilting for a lot of people. And then that continued and he continued to build and really gave an opportunity for us to create what is now Teladoc, which is a much, much broader view of what quote unquote virtual care is. And so for me, my journey has been somewhat right opportunity. I was in the right place at the right time, but I really have focused a lot of my career on relationships and surrounding myself with a great team of people. And so Jason had asked uh, if I could be the chief uh, client officer. And so I was in that, that role for a couple of years. And then just before the pandemic, took on the president role for U.S. Group Health. And, and then the pandemic hit. And uh, that was a lot of fun and a, and a big learning and journey for all of us. And I think what it you know, somewhat serendipitously tapped into what I'm really passionate about is surrounding myself with people that are just really super driven, that are on their A, A game, and really can bring their passions to work. And so I was lucky to have a team that, that, well, that did that. I also imagine you guys were in an interesting, but also, like you said, serendipitous spot when the pandemic hit, since you had already been acquiring and having that conversation, right? Of how can we provide healthcare uh, not in person, right, essentially. Right, right. Yeah, it, what's fascinating is, I say this all the time, but the world woke up to virtual care, but this was our mission. The entire mission has not changed. You know, our mission was to expand and to bring these opportunities for people to experience a different healthcare system and push them to be their healthiest selves. And that's been our mission all along. So yes, somewhat serendipitous. I don't know. It's hard to say that, you know, a pandemic was of serendipity, but, but certainly we were really thankful to be able to be in the position that we were because those were really trying times for everyone. And even for us, you know, it was sort of overnight demand that we had to quickly sprint and pivot and uh, cover and, and couldn't be more proud of the team to, to do that. Another question I have is really related to technology, but on the patient side. And I think about access, right? Those 80 million people. Is Are there minimum-based requirements? Like, does somebody have to have... What if somebody doesn't have a good enough data plan. Maybe they have a, a smartphone, but it, they have not very much good access to Wi-Fi yep. or enough data in order to do what they need to do in yep. order to interact with the provider. Are there, I don't know, I don't know exactly my question, but I'm just like, what are the limitations there? Because it's like, we want to be able to support and help as many people as possible, but is there a 
floor to yep. that. No, you're speaking my love language here because what we have done is hyper-focused on just that. Of course, there's technological interventions that we want to bring to bear and that, you know, video technology will do that. But there has to be multiple modalities to reach those members where they're at. And I know that sounds like that's a really overused statement, but what we do is you you can pick up the phone and just use an, an old landline okay. and inter, interact with a care team. So it was important to us all along to, we were, you know, we, we often talk about we're a healthcare technology company. Our emphasis is on healthcare in that we are care providers. We're not just referring you to another solution that can refer you to a physician or we are the care team. And so we are providing care. And so in order to provide care in a virtual way, you can't just say, sorry, you have to have a great data plan and access or you always have to have Wi-Fi. And so all of our solutions will always have an option of you can just pick up the phone on a landline and call and create that. I really love that because there's been something, I live in Mexico Oh, and I did so, not know that. Yeah, so I get to experience, I mean, I, I get to experience a, and interface with a lot of uh, poverty, right. to be honest. There's right. a lot of people that are lacking, you know, and whatnot. And it's not the U.S. healthcare system. It's right. totally different. But it brings up for me, you know, how do you bring these amazing features and innovations to folks if they're not in a position to make use of it. And they might be the ones that are most needing it. And so there's been something special that's coming up for me that is like, as much as high tech is an incredible like advancement and we all want to aim that, but being low tech and simple is also incredibly important. For sure, for sure. And that was really critical for us to have the multiple modalities to reach those patients. And we continue to really press on what works for me, for Kelly Bliss, is going to be very different than works for you. And so I think that's very important, especially when you start to think about its application in access to care and care needs. And you had mentioned it before we got on around food deserts and, you know, making sure that we're bringing nutrition to, you know, people that really need that kind of access. And so it is a real core tenant of ours to make sure that we're creating that space for everyone. Well, if somebody, if they want to interact with you, if they want to use your services, would they go through their employers? They would go to their health systems? Is there is that that's the path? Either one. They can go through their, of course, their employer. They can come through their health plan themselves. From the client side, my business is B2B2C. And so my clients, the ones that we work with and help build out those strategies are our employers and health plans, as I mentioned before, the government across all lines of business. So commercial lines, ASO, et cetera. And so there's lots of opportunities for people to access us. And we help navigate that because it's not simple. You mentioned it already. Yeah. It is a complicated, very multidimensional ecosystem of healthcare that we are in. And so we're happy to help navigate the best uh, path. So just... I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing all of this. I have one last question for you and it is more related to you. Okay. Do you think eight-year-old Kelly... What do you think eight-year-old Kelly would think about what you do right now? I guarantee you eight-year-old Kelly would think that I am a practicing veterinarian right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> my side gig is is uh, equestrian and riding, and and that's a passion of mine. But uh, it did not it didn't make it into my career list of careers. So well, good for you for keeping it up. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody wants to connect with you, Kelly, how would you direct them? Sure, you can reach out directly. You know, Kbliss at teledochealth.com. Okay. Are you also on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Yep, you have a Twitter. You can find me. I have a Twitter. At Bliss KM. All right. We will follow you and we will share your information with our audience. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being. That's great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.